He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, peace, peace. This is Atan Thomas, and welcome to The Rematch. Growing up, you know, my grandfather, who I spent all my summers with in Harlem, was a New Yorker at heart. And I remember my grandfather always told me, be careful of who you're around. You know, watch out for the snakes. Watch out for the, the people that want to leech on you and, and want to be able to, you know, see what they can get out of you and stuff like that. I remember going up to the Rucker Park and he's like showing me the whole playbook the whole time. You know, he would say, all right, you see all those guys playing? Look at those guys over there that are lined up like vultures just waiting to, to claw into one of the players. And they're going, as you see that guy right there, he's going to talk to that guy's mother. That's what he's doing right now. He's been scouting her the whole time. And now he's probably going to try to offer her something. Then he always told messages about not buying into the hype because, you know, when you're playing, the media likes to hype you. That's it. They make you feel like you're the, the best thing since sliced bread. And you're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not. And I remember my grandfather telling me stories of great New York City point guards. He loved Pearl Washington, Tiny Archibald, Kenny Smith, Lenny Wilkins. He talked about Earl Manigault, Stephon Marbury, Mark Jackson. And, um, you know, one of the players he talked about the most was this phenom from Jamaica, Queens, named Kenny Anderson. And I remember him telling me how he had college scouts drooling over him before he was even a teenager. People were lined up to watch this middle schooler play like he was Wilt Chamberlain or something. You know, and, and my grandfather, he, he always injected Wilt Chamberlain into every conversation. You know, that, that was his guy. You know, Cream was his man, too, but Wilt was his guy. So he always put Wilt in every conversation. So he and his buddies would take the, the train from Harlem to Queens to check him out. And I remember him telling me about how he saw all this attention that Kenny Anderson was getting and how he was worried about it, worried about the pressure and the attention coming too soon. You know, I thought about my grandfather's words when I when I got older and read some of the struggles that Kenny Anderson um, has had throughout his professional career, struggles that he's been very open about now. I remember seeing him on TV one time. It was like a group therapy session with his ex-wife and his two daughters, and he was arguing with his ex-wife. And, you know, Kenny Anderson's daughters were crying. And it was this real dramatic scene. And they were saying that, you know, they don't care about all the stuff that happened in the past. They just wanted their daddy back. So down the road, I heard he was doing this documentary called Mr. Chibs. Basketball is easy. Life is hard. And I'm watching him talk about how. How he wanted to be the father that he never had time to be and the husband that he wasn't able to be and things of that nature. And, you know, not only that, he said that he wanted to use his story as like a forewarning to young athletes not to make the same mistakes that he made. So, you know, when he agreed to come on to the rematch, I was ecstatic because I have so much respect for him being able to use himself as an example to young people. You know, and, and I always thought about how my grandfather would always 
use other people as examples to me. He would take me to the park and he would say, hey, you see that guy over there? That guy was the best player at such and such school and he could have done this and he could have done this, but he made this decision. So for Kenny Anderson to really be able to be this open book and to be able to tell his story, you know what I mean, on a big platform and be able to be a positive light for young people is just really admirable. Being, um, you know, number two pick and making X millions of dollars and, you know, having two failed marriages. Yes, I failed two marriages. Yeah, the first, you know, when you're an NBA, everything is out there. So I wanted to tell my side of the story. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now they can't, you know, use my flaws against me. I'm, I'm letting you know. Those are everyday things that people go through. It's just that I was scrutinized because I was an NBA player. From Left Rack, Queens, New York, Kenny Anderson was a basketball prodigy. On the way to being named the National High School Player of the Year, he would break Lou Alcindor's career New York City scoring mark. Kenny Anderson is easily the most highly publicized prep player in the history of high school basketball. As a 16-year-old high school sophomore who attended the academic and athletic powerhouse Archbishop Malloy High School, he was considered one of the best basketball prospects in America. Collegiate recruiters began scouting Anderson in the sixth grade, and he was on the front page of the New York City sports section when he was 14. He starred for two years at Georgia Tech and was selected by the New Jersey Nets with the second pick in the 1991 NBA draft. He was the youngest player in the league at that time. So those are his basketball stats, but there is much more to his story. Kenny Anderson, formerly of the New Jersey Nets and eight other NBA teams, is accused of crashing his car into two trees over the weekend and then walking home. He's had highs and lows, good times and quite a few bad times. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kenny Anderson, how are you doing, sir? And welcome to the rematch. Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Y'all, first and foremost, I heard a rumor that you were this close to picking Syracuse University over Georgia Tech back in the day. Is that true? Yeah, I was a big fan of uh, Pearl Washington, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best that ever come out of New York. Everybody, you know, wanted to have Pearl swag. And uh, if he was a point guard, you know, he put New York on the map. And he went to Syracuse and had a great career there. And I watched, you know, I, I, I saw him play, you know what I mean? So I was really interested in, in Syracuse. But my mother, somehow, you know, Coach Crimmins, he's from the Bronx. He, recruit, he, he recruited my moms, man. My moms was very comfortable with him. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I really want you to go to Georgia Tech. I think it would be a great, you know, opportunity. And uh, it would be great for you. And, I, you know, I'm a mama's boy, so I, I chose the school my mother thought I should go to. Well, it worked out for you. But just out of curiosity, so who, who would you have been there at Syracuse with? You would have been there with uh, Billy Owens? You would have been there with? Derek Coleman. Oh, uh, gosh. Because no, I was coming in, Sherman Douglas was leaving. So uh. it was, it was it was D.C. I would have played for a year with Billy Owens, some other players. We would have had a good team. I, I, I really, um, you know, it did miss. Syracuse is a great program. Uh, they didn't miss a beat, you know, by not getting me. But, um, you know, just I picked the right school for me. Right. You know, Georgia Tech, you know, is, is my, the two best years of my life. I really enjoyed it. That's great. That's great. Let me ask you this. Um, all of those accolades you received – and all of the attention you received. I mean, you had college recruits at 11 years old, which is, you know, kind of unheard of. You know, front cover of magazines at 14. All of this fame at such a young age. Do you think that you were prepared to handle that? And 
How do you prepare to handle that at 11, 13, 14 years old? You really don't do it by yourself. You just have a good supporting cast. I had some great mentors in my life, my high school coach, Jack Curran, uh, my mentor, Vincent Smith, Kenny Smith's uh, older older brother, Pierre Turner, Howie Lawrence. I had a great supporting class, uh, supporting team when I was younger, when I was in high school. They really watched me and uh, protected me and uh, did a fairly decent job, you know, keeping me grounded. Right, right. Now, your documentary is called Mr. Chips, and you are an open book in this documentary, and you opened up about a lot of the things that you went through. Um, I also saw an interview where you said that you were a little bit hesitant about opening up as much. So what led you to be this open book and to come up with this documentary at this time? After retiring and my mother, you know, losing my mother in 2005, a few months before she passed, we had a good talk. She just said she wanted me to Changed some of my ways, and um, you know I created a brand. Be, you know you you'll be fine, but you gotta help. You gotta pay it forward. Talk to my wife. You know before the documentary. You know I wasn't gonna do it because you know my wife was like, "Hey, you do this documentary. You gotta be honest. You know you gotta be willing to help help others." And um, you know maybe this is the time. The time is right, and it was. You know so when I started my documentary about four years ago, it was like a therapeutic. Mm. Was, you know, going back into my demons and, uh, you know, just my past. And, you know, I, I guess when I being a, a child prodigy and all the things that happened to me early in my life, that was a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, I dealt with a lot of skeletons. I dealt with a lot of demons. I threw them. I threw it under the rug because I, you know, I became somebody that was pretty popular and famous and didn't want to be ashamed. So I, I held on to a lot of th- things for like 30 something years. And it was time for me to look in the mirror and, and 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 try to change my life. So, what was the hardest thing to open up about in the documentary? Was what, what are some of the things that? Were oh, really when good? I was a child and I, I got uh, molested. So I'm a big advocate of uh, kids being abused and starting up my nonprofit organization as we speak. And uh, just the, the you know I was embarrassed, but um, I, I wanted to help because I had fame. And uh, basketball, some kids don't have nothing. They, they lead to drugs, alcohol, commit suicide. Mm-hmm. They're real distraught and uh, lose it. They have nobody to comfort them, and they don't know how to get help. So by me being a, a basketball, pro basketball player for 14 years, having success in college, high school, being real popular, I wanted to uh, ha- have a, a voice. I think, I, you know, being that voice, you know, I can help. Because if people see I went through it, maybe they'll come out you know, earlier and they don't have to live like that. And they can live a productive life. You, but you have to get help. You can't do it alone. Right, right. There's there's a saying that, you know, um, sometimes what you go through isn't meant for you. It's meant to help somebody else. And, you know, I, I would imagine that a lot of people seeing that Kenny Anderson, who was this basketball prodigy, who was this NBA all-star um, for many years, went through something and they'll be able to identify with you and they'll be able to give them the strength and the courage to be able to to make it through um, what they're going through. And that's a big burden, but that's a big blessing to be able to do. Yeah, it's both. As, like you said, since I've done it, a bunch of people call in and talk to like, well, thank you. You know, I'm getting help now. You know, I'm I'm coming out because you came out. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a blessing. It is it's more rewarding than you know. Um, you know, and, and my slogan on my documentary is, 
you know, basketball is easy, life is hard. Right. And that 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 goes for all of us in all aspects of uh of life. It just doesn't have to be basketball. You know, it's all different type of sports, different type of professions that, you know, it may come easy to you, but life, everyday living, um, keeping your integrity intact, you know, um doing the right thing when nobody's watching and and, and raising your kids. And and trying to be a, a good husband, and trying to be a good friend. So I, I just always, you know, being being selfless after so many years being selfish is really hard to change. Right now, now you said that basketball is is easy and life is hard. And you know, obviously, you was a prodigy at the age of eleven. Um, in the documentary, you you also discussed some of the mistakes you made mm-hmm. and used it as a lesson for the youth. Can you tell us about you know what led you to talk about those those mistakes that you made and how you want to focus um, the youth to be able to go into the right direction? Yeah, first, you know, when you're an NBA, everything is out there. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to tell my side of the story. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, being um, you know, number two pick and making X millions of dollars and, you know, having two failed marriages, my third marriage, having multiple kids. They'll just say, oh, he has a bunch of kids. No, I have eight kids out there. Yes, I bought. I have trust funds for my kids. Yes, I failed two marriages because of this, because of that. Open up, being honest. So now they can't, you know, use my flaws against me. I'm, I'm letting you know. Right. Those are everyday things. Um, that people go through. Mm-hmm. It's just that I was scrutinized because I was an NBA player. Right. So I say, here, boom, I'll give it to you. But at the same time, let me be honest. So then if some of these young kids, some of these kids with, with uh, talent um, may be going through the same thing I'm going through, they can say, hey, Kenny Anderson went through it. I don't want to go that route. Let me go this route. He's trying to educate us and uh, get better. You know, um, so so they can have a productive life and and just do the right things, and right. that's what it's all about for me at this point. I just want to pay it forward, but pay it forward the right way, though. Right, right, right. Uh, one of the lessons that you know I do a lot of speaking with young people in a lot of camps, and one of the things we talk about is girls, and we talk about how that can be one of the you know biggest decisions that that you make who you decide to to choose as your wife, as your girlfriend, as your mate. Um, how high of a ranking do you think that would be as a as a as a critical decision for any young person, especially young athletes? It's like? very critical, but in my case, is deeper. You know, that's why I'm still going to therapy every day. I go once a week, but I've been traveling with my therapist, who's been great to me. Me, you know, by being molested, um, I became a womanizer, mm. <laughs> so it's a little different. You know, then I became who I am. You know, with fame and money. On top of that, so it was, I was able to manipulate, you know, women and not. I didn't know what love is. Some some of them might have loved me, but I don't know. You know, right. I don't know what love is. After hurt people, hurt people. Right. So you know what I'm saying. And uh, I finally got that love now. You know, with my third wife, I understand it because of therapy. So I try to tell kids, you know, young men, to do it the right way. You know, don't have kids out of way. I had four baby mamas. Um, due to some of my mishaps, mm. um, not having my father around to have that sex talk with me, um, looking for love in all the wrong places because you are damaged because what happened to me, this is me. Mm. Some some guys grow up in two family, you know, with their mother and father home, um, perfect foundation, and still have a problem with um, women. So it's sometimes you just got to trust. You gotta let let go and let God, you know what I mean, for your decisions with your with women. But 
you should know when growing up, a young man, that's why I try to talk to my sons to really protect themselves and understand what goes on with sex. Right. Not only babies, but diseases, all type of things comes with that. It ha- you got to be set and ready to go there because right. once you go there, there's no coming back because it's anything as you could, you could once and something comes addictive and you abuse it, you got problems. Right. Uh, one of the things we just talked about at a, at a um, young men's conference uh, a few weeks ago is I talked about how, you know, you'll see the same girl who knew you when you was younger, who might have been in the same middle school class with you and never looked at you twice, right? But then when your name's in the paper a little bit, you start playing a little bit better, all of a sudden you become fine to them. And talk about that type of, um, that, that type of attention that athletes get. And, and talking to young people how to deal with that attention. And, and, and it's a crucial. We stayed on that topic for a long yeah, time. because a it, it, I wish know. I was with y'all because I had like three of those. <laughs> right. Swear to God, I had three of those. Junior high school, you know, I'm, no names. Right. You know, right. I mean, situations where she would talk to me to say she was the prettiest girl in the class. Right. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Boom. Got out. High school, college. Whoa. Saw her in the club. You know, oh, Kenny. Right, right, right. I, I said, I remember you. I was like, <laughs> you was beautiful. I was all, yeah, I, don't worry about that. Right. I'm here now. Right, right, right. <laughs> Who had a little, you know, um, at that time I was younger, wasn't uh, married or anything. We, girlfriend, boyfriend, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, things happened and moved on from there. But we, we, we didn't get serious because I understood, you know, something, some things you just can't go backwards on. Right. You know what I mean? But, um. You gotta, you gotta let these young men know the real. We can't sugarcoat it, mm-hmm. you know, about um, women, you know. And it's a, uh, um, you can't. I tell them you can't go for the shiny things, right? So, you know, shiny things get you all messed up. Yeah, right? you know what I mean. Women, it's all a setup. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta be really careful. You gotta take your time. You gotta be patient yep. when knowing. You know, and it's hard because um, attraction is is, is is difficult. Yeah. But you have to um, really uh, think before you before you jump. Right. You know, before you see some. Hey, boom! Let me let me get to know this young lady before I really open up to her. And everything that glitters is not gold. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> Especially if you're an NBA player. No question. They're around. They set. They ready. Right. 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 Now, in an article in the New York Times uh, mm-hmm. by Bill Roden. Yeah. Um, I saw it was a really good article, yeah. and you quote. You was quoted as saying, "I didn't have a plan really. My plan was to take care of my mother, and I did that for 19 years. All I wanted to do was get her out of struggle." Now that's a you know that's something that I personally can relate relate to because you don't want your mother to struggle you want to be able to take care but other than that talk about the importance of having a plan outside of that aspect of just not wanting your mother to actually struggle. Oh, being a child prodigy um, and having what I had at an early age and then getting it when I was you know a young man I just like had no plan I thought this thing was gonna last forever mm. like I'm Kenny Anderson this is like. This is easy, you know what I mean? And then when you start, um, you know, seeing how, how the lead works and as you get older and your, your body give out on you and you're not passionate enough, that's what I mean. I had no plan. I was, I was just happy. Everything else was a bonus. I was like, yo, they, the NBA got the infrastructure to take care of me, give me X amount of money. My mother's out, you know, she have a carefree life for 19, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm cool, you know what I mean? I was, I, I was happy, but as years go on, it's going to come to an end. You don't set yourself up. You don't build bridges. You don't. You don't. You don't build relationships 
with the NBA family and things of that nature. It's hard when you're out to go back and knock on those doors because right. there's another five, there's another ten Kenny Andersons. Right. It's a business. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we got you know, you you done. Right. We don't owe you nothing, which they don't. Right. So now it's hard to come back and, and get those doors open. And, and uh, you know, you want to help. You know, the lead that fed me for so many years. But that's got to be on them. You know what I mean? I, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to do me and help p and pay it forward and get my life right. Get me right first. Mm -hmm. Then I can get everybody else right. You know, one of the things that I always tell young people is that, especially young athletes, that I think that all young athletes, you know, college athletes should have at least a rudimentary level of understanding of financial um, literacy. They should know at least the, uh, uh, of accounting, of finance, just so they should know about investing, about their portfolio. That's They should learn that, and that should almost be a, a requirement for all of them to have. Absolutely. You know, we got the math classes. You go, oh, everybody want to pass the math, you know, SAT or in school, but that's not really math. Right, you right, know, you right, understand? Right. You know, uh, financial and literacy mm -hmm. is, is deeper. You know, you have to the investments, the bonds, the stocks, how to invest your money, right. how to live frugal. Mm -hmm. You know, now I live on a want. Or want I, I should have been leaving when I had all my money. I should have uh, lived like on a want, want or need. Right. You know, I didn't need 11 cars. Right. All I needed was two cars right. or maybe one. But, right. you know, when you have more, you tend to do more, mm -hmm. especially when you have a big, I had a big heart. Never, you know, and that's a saying. Sometimes your your family could be your worst enemy, right? And and they, and they were mine, but I don't regret it mm -hmm. because we we come from nothing, and there's ways I could have did better, for, but taking care of them instead of giving. Mm -hmm. But I gave, you know, when they wanted. But that's a tough thing to do because everybody, you know, and this is something all athletes can really relate to is your family member coming to you and saying, "Listen, I'm in a jam. Uh, I need your help with this," and they come to you, and you are the person who they rely on, and it's hard. How do you say no? Or how do you say I can't without without feeling that you're letting your family down? Exactly. You know, that's what I did. I didn't know how to say no, but there's ways you could take care of them. You know, give them some edu Some of my brothers and sisters, I, they should have probably went to school. You know, I could have I could have uh, paid for them to go to school to learn a, a business or mm. something where they could keep, get, you know, get a job right. and to better themselves. Right. So open up being an entrepreneur for them where they can get their own money instead of just coming Every month, me giving them money. Right. I'm being a crutch. Yeah. You know, some athletes got it down to a science. You know what I mean? They, they're doing well. They invest well with their money. They live. They they they, they doing it the right way. Just and I, I got a saying, and I, I live by. So everybody got their path. You mm -hmm. know, everybody mm -hmm. got their route. God's giving everybody their route. And sometimes you can't worry about the next man route. You got to right. deal with your route. What God plans for you. And um, believe in the process, and I'm I'm a big believer of you trying, man, trying to do well and do better. Things will work out. You right. know, you got people out there that's not trying to 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 do better, that's and true. that's and that's sad. But um, that's what I'm trying. My goal is just trying to be better better for me. You know, my family and my mother. You know, up top, rest in peace. She would she would. You know, I try to think about my actions. Mm -hmm. Before I move, mm -hmm. every every action I look, I think I say, my, "What would my mother think right now?" Right. You know, it's just something to help me um, um, better myself. And uh, last question, I'm gonna have this last question with a quote from the same article. Mm -hmm. um, you said, "I'm glad this is all out in the open. I want them to know that I was no angel, 
My mistakes weren't really mistakes. It was me being young and living and learning. Yes, I spent a lot of money. I went through a lot of a lot of money. I had some failed marriages, but now I count my blessings. I don't count my mishaps. Talk to me about counting your blessings right now. Yeah, yeah I just count my blessings. Um, my health right now at 46, pretty blessed with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have my kids. I'm back. You know, I got eight kids that I'm, I'm getting to know. I'm, I'm in their lives better. I'm still working on that. I'm right. a work in progress, but I'm trying. Right. Um, my third marriage is going well. I'm trying to keep that together and be and be, and be happy. I'm trying to be a better friend. So everything about me, I, and, um, I put pressure on myself, but it's good pressure. When I did my documentary, I'm open book. You know, I'm not. I'm a. I'm not going to just talk about. It. I'm trying. I'm gonna be about it. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So, my hey man, I've I've been uh, blessed since 11 years. I had some dog days, some some things that was done to me, not by me, but um, other than that, 14 years in the NBA. Two years at Georgia Tech, four years at Malloy. Basketball opened so many doors for me. Uh, I've been all over the world, met so many uh, great people. Uh, my my life just started. You know right. what I mean? This is another chapter, and this is what I'm trying to figure out. This is the next chapter in my life. Let me get this right, because uh, he's you know God is always looking down on me, but he's not finished with me yet. But I gotta do it the right way, right? Because I'm getting older and he. He, I know he's thinking like, okay, you know, you did enough damage. Right. Okay, you should, you should, <laughs> you right. should know your mistakes now. Right. Let's get it right now. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in so many ways, but you got to keep the blessings by trying to try. I keep saying try because we're we're not perfect, mm-hmm. but we got to try to avoid mishaps, and that's all I'm trying to do. And and and. and I know I'm only 46 years old, and I got I got the rest of my life to live, so I got to do this right. Listen, I have so much respect for you um, having, first of all, the courage to be able to open up and be transparent, and then to have the the passion and the desire to use your story, your mistakes, as a caution uh, to youth. I mean, I got to take my hat off to you. So please keep doing what you're doing. Keep being that that light, you know, shining that light and using yourself to be able to shine that light because a lot of people don't do that. You know, a lot of people don't get past the part of feeling embarrassed or feeling like they don't want to, you know, do it and put all their business out there. But you're really helping a lot of people. So I got to say much respect to you. Tell everybody where they can get your documentary. Oh, no, I might. Right now, it's in the Doc New York City Film Fest. It'll be going around in different festivals. Not sure yet. Which ones? But uh, you can go to my website, mrchibs.com. Um, get all the information there. But my premiere was uh, November 12th uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. Had like 350 people came out, supported me. That's great. Uh, my man Larry Johnson came, Br- Dennis Scott, Brian Oliver, Vin Baker, my dude came and showed me love. Had all type of friends and uh, people that cared about me come, you know, came to show the doc. It's very inspirational, but. Um, you need to see it, you know what I mean, because uh, you you would enjoy it. It's um, it's really helpful. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kenny Anderson. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This program was written and produced by Carl Scott and myself, with talent production by Lisa Phillips, production assistance by Sean Cherry and John McDermott. Our engineer was Chris Basil. Our executive producers are Gary Honig, Jessica Robertson, Kevin Johnston, 
Ryan Duffy, Chris Corcoran, and Jamie Messler. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at AtonThomas36. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Shoot me a message and let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, who'd you like to see on the show. I would love your feedback. Next on The Rematch. I learned early on that I wasn't going to be the most popular person around, but you can't care. And that's one of the things that I'm really good at. I don't care. I'm going to win the game. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care what people think about me. The most important thing is to win the game. And the most important thing is to win the championship. Theplayerstribute.com